Welcome to episode six of the NRL Corona Positives podcast. The excitement is building as we have more details on an NRL return from the coronavirus, but hopefully a few bad eggs don't ruin it for everyone. I'm Tony Salerno, having a corona, the beer, not the virus, with Mitch Ferugia as we look at the bright side of a game in turmoil. How are you, Mitch? Yeah, good thanks, mate. It's been an interesting week, you could say. Um, probably one of the biggest decisions the NRL has had to make uh, in the past few years has been overshadowed by a couple of players, which I'm sure we'll get into very shortly. That's right. We'll get to the nitty-gritty of it. Cheers first. Cheers. Of course, we want you, the listeners, involved as well. Keep connecting with us on social media at NRL Corona Positives on Instagram and Facebook or email us on at NRL Corona Positives at gmail.com with the best emails read out live, which would be exciting. Now, Mitch, spent a lot of time at home lately. How's your week been first? Yeah, only at work uh, one or two days a week. So just ducking out for that. And other than that, yeah, just at home. Because I'm working from home at the moment. So usually once, once five o'clock hits or once six o'clock hits, I'm straight. No travel time anymore, Mitch, which is <laughs> exciting. So as you know, for most of the weeks I've been recalling, I've dusted off the old DVD recorder and I fired up the streaming services and I found another classic this week, Mitch. Oh, what was it this week? This week I watched The Matrix. Have you watched The Matrix? I think I've seen bits and pieces of it, to be honest. It's one of those ones I haven't caught the full movie, I don't think. Trust me, Mitch, when you watch it, it's very hard to understand. But I'll just take you through it slowly. So The Matrix is a classic with a young Keanu Reeves. The story's about reality, which is trapped inside a big computer program. So Neo's like a world-class computer programmer and hacker who's chosen to save humanity from robots who are trying to protect the program. So I guess it's this sort of concept that worlds trapped inside a bubble which is pretty fitting at the moment, given the coronavirus almost seems like it's taken over the world and we're trapped inside how we normally live our lives, which is really fitting for what the NRL is just about to go through when they do restart. They are pampered. They've got a full set of rules that they need to uphold. So that's why I thought the NRL is very close to the matrix at the moment. It's a very weird time for everyone involved. So now I feel like the NRL, once they get into this bubble and they start playing rugby league, I think that'll actually be good for the players. Yeah, I think so. I think it'll be a bit of an escape. And not only for the players, for the fans, it'll be an escape for fans to be able to turn on and watch the footy live and watch their teams run out and play. Even though there won't be crowds, I'm assuming, for the early rounds, it'll still be a bit of a distraction all round. Yeah, and what's funny for me, Mitch, is the players first go out there on the 28th of May, they're going to be in a privileged position, say that five times fast, where they're going to be able to have physical contact with each other. But by the time the rest of New South Wales is let open, they may still have these laws in place. So they may go from super above the law to very under the law because a lot of them won't be able to see their families like those in interstate, which we're going to speak about in a second. But it's just so funny that in a short amount of time, they could go from the most entitled to the most disadvantaged because they won't be able to see the ones they love. But Mitch, at the end of the day, it's for their livelihood. Yeah, exactly. And I'm sure a couple of players will probably have to make tough calls whether they do move or whether they stay with their family. Um, I'm sure, as we mentioned uh, early on in the piece, a couple of the Warriors boys moving back due to family. Obviously, their wives are just having birth. So um, maybe a few players like that may not travel over or may not um, move from interstate. 
So we'll just have to wait and see. But it is a, it is a bit of a big call for those teams uh, and the players involved and even the coaching staff and all the staff that would have to move as well, Tony. When we do restart, it doesn't necessarily mean that everyone's going to go straight back into their day jobs. There might be cuts that do stick around, Mitch. So clubs actually may have had to shed a few people uh, rather than uh, bring back everybody they had once the competition went down about six weeks ago. Now, Mitch, that in itself is not the biggest negative news this week. Now, we're the NRL Corona Positives podcast, and we don't like negative press on our channel. But, Mitch, we've got to talk about what happened this week. Four NRL players, Latrell Mitchell, Josh Adokar, Nathan Cleary and Tyrone Roberts, all were found to be breaching social distancing laws. Um, we saw videos and photos of Latrell Mitchell and the Fox, Josh Adokar, at Latrell's farm up in Tari, I believe it is, for what they explained as a cultural gathering, uh, while Cleary was snapped with photos of himself with three young girls with what appeared to be at his house. He claimed they were friends. There's also uh, recently been TikTok videos of Cleary from that night being made. So that sort of debunks his reasoning, saying that they only popped in for 10 minutes, but he did make uh, those videos. Latrell Mitchell and Josh Adokar were fined $50,000 each. Uh, Tyron Roberts and Nathan Cleary were fined uh, 10,000 and also they had a match suspension which is on hold until they do something wrong again or um, a repeat offense so I don't know the big question here is did the NRL get the punishments right so with Latrell Mitchell and Josh Adokar they were fined 50 grand each but 60% of that is suspended so it's only a $20,000 fine unless they do another infringement then they'll get fined the whole $50,000 same with Nathan Cleary, that's $10,000, 60% of that suspended. So um, my maths isn't fantastic, but I think that's four grand. Uh, with Latrell Mitchell and Josh Adokar, there's a few holes in both of these stories. Even though Mitchell and Adokar apologised pretty swiftly, they said they were on a cultural gathering. However, Mitch, I don't know how cultural shooting guns and riding motorbikes without helmets are for a culture. In terms of Nathan Cleary, he first came out and said that 10 minutes is all that the girls were there for. Very hard to believe considering they made what we know is two TikTok videos. They could have made a few more. When some pretty women come to the front door, are you going to turn them away? That was a tough decision for Nathan Cleary. It was a tough decision for Nathan Cleary <laughs> and I think he, he's chosen wrong on this occasion. Um, they've also been told by Mal Meninga said that uh, he's going to have a good think about picking them next time because um, stuff like this does weigh into the balance and also... Their Blues coach, Freddie Fittler, um, stated if he was picking the team tomorrow, they would absolutely be out of it. Yeah, well, Mitch, it's not even so much these fines or these punishments that are the real big ones. The big elephant in the room is this. If the NRL players keep carrying on like this, there's no guarantee the game's going to restart. So the government's always said, you can go ahead and try and plan your game and we'll try and accommodate you providing all your players and staff adhere to the safety measures. And that's the big thing, Mitch. If they're not adhering to the safety measures, there's no guarantee this game's going to restart. Now, we've got just under a month remaining until the game's scheduled to get underway. Mitch, if there's a few more bad eggs in that time, I don't know if that that's realistic anymore. Yeah, I think for now, the NRL just really needs the players 
to get onside and just do the right thing. I mean, they will have their own individual uh, safety measures, which will come into place pretty soon, where they're allowed to leave for training, go home, then they're allowed to leave for games and then go home. So that'll be in place soon. You just have to hope for the sake of the game that the players can just do that now for the next week until training resumes and hopefully get into a bit of a routine and we don't see um, a repeat of what's happened. That's right. It wouldn't be rugby league without a bit of drama, Mitch. That actually leads me into my first big positive of this week. The big positive is there's more details on the start of the rugby league. So, Mitch, we've been saying May the 28th for a couple of weeks now, but we haven't known too much more than that. We thought it could have actually even been a political move with the NRL saying May 28th just for the government to push them back so the government looks like the bad guy. But now it's really good with Project Apollo over the last couple of weeks saying that May 28th is the definite date. We now know there will be 20 rounds, which we'll speak about in a second. The NRL Grand Final is scheduled for October the 25th and State of Origin will be played after the Grand Final. So let's start with how long the competition will be, Mitch. 20 rounds, so we know obviously everyone will play each other another time, but there'll be a handful of games as well for teams to play each other again. What do you think of a number 20? I think it's it's okay considering everything that is going on. So everyone plays each other once plus five other rounds. I mean, if you think about it, it's only missing four or five games um, factoring in buys and things like that. So it, it's not too bad. I mean, they've done pretty well to be able to get that and not push the game too far back. Uh, October, Late October grand final still allows time potentially for Kangaroos tour uh, and also other international teams tour, as well as State of Origin, which is obviously in the minds of uh, both the broadcasters and the NRL. So I think they've done pretty well with the 20 rounds, and I think it will work well, and you won't have that question mark on the team that wins saying it wasn't a real season because I still believe 20 rounds is, is pretty adequate. It's very hard for the teams that have lost their first two games to try and make up ground if the teams were only to play each other once. Yeah. So, for example, if there was only 13 or 15 games remaining, because the NRL previously said if there was going to be every team play each other once, you wouldn't count those first two games. So it'd be two games plus every game each team plays each other once. So that's 17 games in total. That means that the teams that haven't won a game would need to make up two games in that 17 games to see if they can overtake the other teams. So that ultimately puts them at a big disadvantage. But with 20 games, Mitch, I think that's more than enough time for those teams who lost in the early rounds to make up that that game and have a decent crack at making the finals. I think it's that, yeah. It'll give them a decent crack. Some teams obviously are going to underperform and probably will lose a couple of other games. Maybe they'll lose their first two when we go back as well. We don't know just yet. But I think, yeah, looking at the way that it's been scheduled, there is certainly enough time for teams who have lost the first two to potentially win minor premiership because I don't think the side's not going to lose more than two games this year. So the next one was quite political. The grand final will be on October the 25th. So Channel 9, we know the broadcasters are now on board, which is excellent. They had meetings with Peter Volandis uh, this week, Hugh Marks from Channel 9 and Patrick Delaney from Fox Sports. So the grand final is on October the 25th. 
Channel 9 promised its broadcasters, uh, promised its shareholders, if there was no rugby league this year, this network would save $130 million, Mitch. That's a lot. That made their shareholders smile a little bit. So that's why Channel 9 was digging their heels in. The second reason why Channel 9 was digging their heels in is because they have the rights to the Cricket T20 World Cup. And they didn't want to get in a position that if the NRL runs through to November, that there would be a clash with the rugby league and the cricket. So now we've seen a compromise in that the green finals in October the 25th with the T20 World Cup starting on October the 18th. So the green final would be on that Sunday, which would be the opening week. And let's face it, Mitch, it's a pool game at that stage in the Cricket World Cup. So there won't be that interest, that viewership. And you'd say the NRL would have their day because Channel 9 would choose to put on a lower-tier game on maybe one of their sister channels. So I think everyone gets through there pretty much unscathed because it's pretty early in the Cricket World Cup, but it's right at the end of the NRL Grand Final. So Channel 9 will get both fights of a cherry for both their competitions. Yeah, I think so. Um, And potentially it could provide... Um, a good advertising point for them when the NRL's on to pump up the cricket. So it could work in their favour if you look at it that way. And I think uh, there was also another issue with the grand final about the stadium and the stadium that would be available. I think ANZ and Allianz obviously will be under construction by then. Um, so it was planned to be at the SCG, but on the 24th of October, I believe, there's one of those cricket matches um, so potentially either that will need to be reshuffled and moved for the NRL to have the grand final at the SCG as planned, or maybe Bank West was touted as a potential replacement. Yeah, well, it says here, I'm looking at the uh, ICC T20 World Cup website, and Australia is scheduled to play Pakistan at the SCG on Saturday, October the 24th. So you're right in that the ground might not be up to that condition, Or, Mitch, is this an opportunity for the NRL to potentially go to Suncorp? I'm not sure if that does make all too much sense if the game's being... All the games are going to be played in New South Wales to then move the grand final into Queensland, potentially still having a 14-day quarantine period. Um, But say say we're all good, smooth sailing again, um, I definitely think that would be a move the NRL would have to look at moving it to Suncorp. Suncorp leads me into the next point and the final point, which is Origin will be played after the grand final. So, Mitch, I think this is a masterstroke because, A, we're going to have to see the draw hasn't been released yet. Because Origin isn't played during the season, maybe there won't be any buys. So that might save clubs and the NRL a bit of time. So we're still awaiting what the actual draw will look like. But in terms of Origin, if it's played after October the 25th, so November, hypothetically... That's six months from now, Mitch. Who's to say that these laws won't be lifted and fans might be able to attend Origin? It's very unlikely, but the NRL is trying to give themselves every chance. Yeah, exactly. And I think potentially even a final series with fans could be in the works, considering it would be in October, which is quite a while away from now. We don't know what's going to happen. And it's pretty much a day-by-day situation. It's really smart from the NRL to not try and cram it in and to treat Origin like the centrepiece it is, because arguably it's the biggest three matches in um, the NRL's calendar that will get a pretty high viewership across Queensland and New South Wales, um, as well as all the other states. And now moving on to our second positive, Tony. The Warriors have been given a travel exemption from the New South Wales government 
meaning the government are on board and the players will now have the choice to make a selfless sacrifice, especially those coming from interstate and internationally. So really good news, firstly, for the Warriors um, that they've been given the green light, Tony. Yeah, that's right. This was always going to be the big sticking point, Mitch, because we say, okay, Australia has their legal system, their laws, the states are in constant contact with each other. So there would be a little bit more wiggle room in terms of being able to communicate with, say, for example, the Victorian government or the Queensland government. The big elephant in the room was always New Zealand. Even though New Zealand aren't too far from Australia, it's still international travel. So New Zealand have to apply for an exemption to be allowed to come into New South Wales and be based in Tamworth. So from our, my understanding is that there's a national council meeting on Friday between all the states to talk about rugby league and what the strategy is here. If that gets a green light, which it most likely will, then it's for that council to then speak to the New Zealand government about bringing the New Zealand Warriors over because we know the NRL wants teams to start training on now the 5th of May. So they need to get over pretty quickly. The Warriors getting this exemption will allow them to be on a level playing field with the rest of the competition. This was always the big obstacle on paper, Mitch. The fact that, yeah, sure, we can isolate players. It's not a far domestic trip for someone from Queensland or Melbourne to come down. But hang on, what are we going to do about international trouble? Because there's a lot more uh, government and bureaucracy that needs to happen for that move to work. So it's a really good step in the right direction. And it almost solidifies the NRL beginning that the Warriors will get that travel exemption now. Yeah, certainly. I think it's really great um, that they've been given the green light. And now um, I'm sure within a week we will hear from the other clubs being Melbourne, Brisbane, North Queensland uh, and the Gold Coast Titans on how they will move and make the transition um, down into New South Wales. You'd think Newcastle would probably stay put where they are and maybe travel for their games if they're allowed to instead of reallocating. And I guess we can't understate how much of a sacrifice the men interstate are making as well, even though they all live in Australia, those in Queensland and those in Victoria, because we don't know how long they're going to be isolated where the NRL players won't be able to be exposed to anyone else outside of the players that are playing in the competition. So that in itself is a major sacrifice that they're making. So even the Warriors, it's the most publicised and it looks like it's the most difficult transition the interstate teams are really making a big sacrifice themselves. So they should be applauded for that as well because they could revolt or they could um, appeal this and not want to come down, but it's for their livelihoods, it's for the good of the game and it ensures that they're getting the most bang for their buck if they do participate. Because at the end of the day, Mitch, they're not minors. They don't go away or they're not soldiers. They don't go away from their families to serve for six months or 12 months at a time. So this is very new for them. Even though they play on the weekends, they get paid very well for it, they're still making a big sacrifice if they are to go away and not see their families for a while. Obviously, at that age where they've probably got very young families, they've got blossoming relationships, so it's a lot to put down and go over and commit yourself to a 20-round competition to be away from the people you love. Now it's time for one of our favourite segments on this podcast. It's back when the NRL was great. So we know that the NRL potentially won't ever be the same again. The damage wasn't as significant as we thought it would be, but we're celebrating the moments in time before the coronavirus pandemic. And we've got another fresh theme for when the NRL was great. 
And Mitch, we're having a look at the greatest NRL theme song. So plenty to pick from in this one. Oh, certainly. There's been so many over the years and over the decades um, that the NRL have went with that have been some memorable, some uh, less than. <laughs> but we've picked out some of our greatest ones. And I think, uh, do you want to get things started, Tony? I will. I've gone for the favourite, everyone's favourite. I've gone from Tina Turner, Simply the Best, 1990. I just love how it's a slow build in the song to the chorus. You see some great footage, one of the greatest videos made. But Mitch, a bit of backstory on that. So the NRL in the 90s was trying to change their image. We used to know from the 70s and 80s, players would get into scuffles, they'd bash each other, blood, guts, sweat, all of that. So it didn't really appeal to a female or a younger audience. So when Ken Arthurson and John Quayle came in, in the early 90s, or they solidified their positions, they said, hang on, if this game's gonna continue to grow, we're gonna have to think outside the box and we're gonna have to draw in a bigger crowd. So how are we gonna do that? Let's go with a different voice, a different tone and a different sound for the theme song that we choose. So Tina Turner was establishing herself in Australia but Mitch, she hadn't really had too much success with the song she was creating. So big sacrifice, American woman coming over to Australia, not really making a punch in the market. So then there were a lot of critics early on that said, hang on, why are you getting a female pop artist who's going to create those types of songs for a big, burly, muscular type of game? So they gave Tina Turner a go and then boom, she unleashes some of the great classic NRL theme songs. Simply the best. 30 years on, which we're celebrating this year with a revamped version for the NRL campaign. Simply the best, but Mitch, one of my favourites, which is underrated, I know Simply the Best gets the biggest raps because it's a great theme, but what you see is what you get was the theme song in 1989, which was another great one as well. We have the big muscle men at rugby league players, you know, Mitch, the shower scenes and all the oiled up to show the NRL players as more sex symbols and icons which really um, attracts a new audience, a different audience, which is what the NRL wanted out of it. So I think a masterstroke and a real risk for getting Tina Turner to perform these themes. But in the end, Mitch, I think they're two of the NRL's greatest ever theme songs. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Tina Turner did a great job with both of those. Um, I've gone for a different one, a more recent um, song with That's My Team, Hoodoo Gurus. Um, obviously, I'm changing their song. It was, it was the Hoodoo Guru's What's My Scene was the original song that they turned into That's My Team. I think this was a really smart theme song, Mitch, because, you know, people get excited by the hits and the tries and the celebrations, but it's really until you pick a team that you're more connected to the game itself. So this really forced fans to say, okay, that's my team. So who is my team? And that really gave fans beyond the general hits and the casual watching, this gave them someone to care about and it gave them a team to support. So if you've got a team to support, you're more connected to the game, which is what the NRL people in the big positions wanted. They wanted people not just to watch the game, casual observers of origin, because they thought that the states get the natural uh, patriotism that they do because people are from there. They felt a connection. So they thought, okay, we need people, if they're really going to stick to the game, they need a team to support. And I thought this was really well done. That's my team, one of the great anthems for the NRL. Yeah, me too. I really enjoyed that one. And unfortunately, Tony, we're pretty much just out of time for this week's episode of the podcast. Thanks for another great episode. 
Yeah, it's been a really exciting one. We're six episodes in, Mitch. We can see the finish line at the moment. Great. It's, gave, it's given me positivity even. Just coming on here every week and being able to share what I'm finding positive about a game. There's plenty of content out there, Mitch, which is super negative, of course, given the dire situation. But I think now we set the trend, Mitch. We started talking positive about the game. And now that the game's got an opening site in date, everyone's starting to get around us. So you're welcome, everyone else. <laughs> We're trailblazers, Mitch. I reckon we are. Certainly a bit of an escape, hopefully, for not only ourselves, but the listeners listening. So make sure you are following our social channels, which are NRL Corona Positives on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Let us know your thoughts on the podcast down below. And don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. Thank you very much, Tony Slono. I'm Mitchell Frugia. Stay safe and keep looking for the positives. We'll see you next week.